0: Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, this is episode welcome 111, this is our Tech emergency podcast broadcast, you're with James. myself, Paul Spain, and of course, me, Nate Dunn, welcome along Nate. Well, let's jump into it, uh, now, just first up, a little bit of an update, uh, this is I guess really our first chance uh, this year to sort of sit down and talk about uh, some of the little bits and pieces that we're planning for the podcast, uh, the main one, and we may have already mentioned this, but uh, it is that we're Planning to keep our episodes a little bit shorter this year Some of the feedback we had was uh, longer episodes People just don't have enough commute time or enough time to uh, to listen into to big long podcasts that run to an hour and something So we've only had one episode this year that runs over an hour That was uh, last week's episode which was a compilation of content from CS Actually a re- some really interesting um, content in there in terms of those interviews is the feedback uh, we've had uh, so if you didn't catch that one, worth uh, worth the listening. If you can, uh, if you can find some time to listen through or or to uh, yeah, catch a bit of that. Uh, but yeah, going forward um, this year, we are going to try and keep all episodes under an hour. A- in general, there may be the odd unusual one, and um, hopefully uh, closer to the uh, forty-five minute mark. Right, Nate? Yeah, um, I find
1: I, you know I'm not massive in listening to podcasts. I've probably got a half dozen that I listen to now regularly, but before that. It was even as basic as I would actually go to the like NZ Tech podcast when i wasn 't on here and download the m p three and listen to it, which seems ridiculous if you 've got a an, uh, Android phone, I highly recommend a app called Pocketcaster, so you can subscribe to the NZ Tech podcast feed and the thing I like about it is you can set it to download so let's say you 're about to catch a flight and obviously you don 't have data or you don 't have a lot of mobile data. you can set the podcast to download and then listen to it and I find I listen to podcasts mainly when i 'm doing um, long-distance driving, and the time just seems to fly past. And I think it's because your mind is listening to and concentrating on the content, not necessarily thinking about, oh, this is another 20 minutes I've got to go to drive. So I, uh, last year, towards the end of the year, I went uh, down to Napier, and I pretty much listened to podcasts um, the whole way down. It was fantastic, and I made the, the journey so much quicker. So I highly recommend getting a proper app to do it. Yeah, it's definitely definitely
0: it makes a it much easier. definitely makes a big difference, doesn't it? On iOS uh, now, so you've got iPhone or iPod, uh, the podcast app from Apple uh, is actually pretty good. And uh, Windows phones can be a little bit more of a hoop uh, to to jump through, but there is a podcast uh, third party app that's quite good, uh, quite good for that as well. So, they're, 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 yeah, they're, there's different. It's an improving space in terms of the the capabilities uh, uh, out there. And yeah, definitely, for those long long trips whether it 's on the road or in a plane and so on uh, i f- I find podcasts um, pretty good to listen to, but one of the things that that I've found listening to some of the international ones a lot of the the u s ones and so on is those can run for well some of them sort of you know hour and a half to two hours sort of quite commonly uh, and yeah, I think that's probably okay if you 've got a an hour commute like a lot of people do in some parts of the world but uh, maybe not, yeah, not so much here in New Zealand, mm. uh, and especially outside of the, the bigger cities, uh, where there's there's a lot less time sort of sitting on buses and driving. Uh, the other thing that we want to encourage this year is uh, is just sort of um, suggestions of content and and topics to be covered. Uh, so we'd love people to email us or, or or hit us up through sort of social channels on those things. And we're also really interested in covering and hearing more about some of the innovative technology that's coming out in New Zealand. I know there's a lot of little tech firms that maybe don't make the mainstream, uh, media. Uh, and often we don't, you know, we don't even hear about them. Sometimes we'll hear little bits and pieces and we'll bump into someone who's involved in a, in a small company doing something really, really quite fascinating. Uh, but it might not be of, of broad interest to the, the, um, yeah, the, the, the general, uh, market, so you know it isn't being covered in the same way that you know our big sort of success stories uh, are covered. You know, such as Zero, who you know really done extremely well on the on the share market, so. Uh, yeah, if you, if you come across any of those little companies or you work in one and you think, oh, maybe this would be of interest, uh, to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, please do hit us up. And if you've got topic suggestions, just, uh, news, news items and things like that you think, uh, you'd like to hear some more about, then do please email us, team at nztechpodcast.com. All right. That's us. Now let's jump into, uh, into the news for the week. Now, lots going on, uh, Nate. Lots of New Zealand stories this week. Few, yeah, a few international bits and pieces, but there, there's a lot of local stuff, right? I suppose
1: the first one up is the uh, so telecoms looking at upgrading its core, and I, I think this, uh, you know, not just telecom, but Vodafone um, and Two Degrees are all doing it. Smartphones are becoming more uh, more common, and people with apps and mobile plans are also getting a lot more generous data allocation. So it's really just an inevitability that the carriers have to upgrade all their core networks.
0: It's interesting that they actually announced this because there's a lot of you know behind the scenes technical stuff that our networks you know are always doing, and most of it you don't hear about. No. But I think we're now it's becoming so competitive out there amongst the mobile networks that any reason for them to make a little bit of a noise about something fancy they're doing. You know, they are really getting out and waving the flag and, uh, and trying to share that story. So what's the, what's the news from Telecom? Understand, uh, their, their core network is being upgraded to a hundred gigabits, uh, per second, which is, uh, re, reasonably snappy, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, with the, with smartphones using more data, you don't just, and try to, to make this as simple as possible. You don't connect to the cell site and then it just magically works. Like with all the users, that are there, the backhaul, which tends to be a fiber. Cable needs to be upgraded, needs to support all the the, the data, because if let's say for a users watching YouTube and streaming a, a meg up and down, and you've got say 50 users doing it, it's you know maybe rewind five years ago you wouldn't have that much data going through, but now with smartphones you need to do it. So telecoms just getting there.
0: Um, they're also gearing up for the ultra fast broadband capabilities because they're launching uh, ultra fast broadband uh, services at you know to their their consumers uh as well over the next few months it's not too far off uh so i guess there's a, there must be a bunch of uh, bunch of reasons driving this and you know i think in general we you know we noted we noted a few months ago that their plans have really increased in terms of the amount of uh, you know downloads you can do on your home ADSL connection no doubt uh, ultra fast broadband is going to drive that that even more i think i was reading online too maybe a couple of weeks ago about how the actual international
1: um pricing is is dropping and you can see that um, in the the data and the caps, um, Slingshot's got unlimited plan, uh, Maxnet's got unlimited, um, Vodafone doesn't. But you know, before ISPs, you never would get these all these unlimited.
0: Plans. We also had those huge increases, didn't we? Like Telecom went from you know their biggest home plan being what was it, maybe a, you know a hundred gigs at the most, or probably less than that, to now you can get a 500 gig plan for home. Vodafone went from their biggest plan being uh, 60 gigs a few months ago. Uh, to now where you can get their naked DSL plan at home, 200 gigs for $75.00. Uh, that's happening across the board, as you say, with either unlimited or really big data caps. And, and the, and the, the nice thing too is
1: upgrading that data. You know, the Vodafone with that $75 plan, it's 40 bucks to double it to 400 gigs. So you're talking $105 for 400 gigs of data. And if you're a family of five where everyone's got tablets and, and you're watching, say, streaming TV and, and all those other really data intensive things, you can now easily do it on a plan that's pretty reasonably priced, I think.
0: I think that the thing to remember that is though in order for um, the likes of telecom and all of the internet providers to deliver a really good performance, they do need to keep spending a lot of money to make it happen and, and what uh, telecom ahead uh, are doing with this big internal upgrade which you know no doubt is costing them some some pretty big bucks is you know gearing up so they can continue to deliver excellent service at these high um, you know high download type uh, type plans. And that's maybe where some of the smaller ISPs that are offering, you know, big caps and unlimited plans, they might struggle to deliver quite the same performance as the likes of the the Vodafones and, and telecoms who, you know, Usually have uh, have a few more dollars to sort of slosh around in, in uh, investment. Do you think it would be fair to say
1: that Vodafone would be leading the pack with this? And I only say that because uh, rewind to the long weekend we've just had, and Vodafone announced was it three or four hundred cell sites that they were looking at upgrading in that one time to do the dual carrier and increase speeds and all that sort of thing. So would it be a fair? Would it be fair to say that Vodafone sort of leading the pack, telecoms behind, and, and sort of two degrees following up on their air? Uh,
0: no, I don't think so because each of them are, are doing. Or announcing and sharing different details, and you know we don't know what uh, what Vodafone's doing behind the scenes in terms of their um, you know their core network around the country. You know other than they've just well they're in the process of spending uh, uh, you know in the direction of three quarters of a billion on uh, on buying t- Telstra clear. clear and and their network, including all the uh, the fibre optic uh, assets around the country. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, they're they're doing that, but you know, telecom are doing a bunch of things, and and uh, you know, no doubt, two degrees are doing others. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's probably enough information publicly available to necessarily say that. But, I mean, personally, I choose to use Vodafone. And I think you were just uh, saying before we started that you're about to move your home connection, uh, you know, back to Vodafone. Uh, you know, they generally offer a, a really good sort of, uh, you know, robust offering, good performance you know they can provide a home internet connection as well as business connections as as well as mobile and uh, and they generally do a pretty good job of of doing those things so this yeah. is going to sound like I'm I'm sitting here with my red Vodafone t-shirt like flying the flag for Vodafone but
1: I think Vodafone does or you know these telcos are now getting very clever in, in offering things like I'm going to use Vodafone as an example having a Vodafone family where you've got people where you can do the free calling amongst yourselves you're going to retain that customer because it's going to be too hard because they're not going to just swap themselves. They then have to swap three other people. It just becomes too hard. And then if you tie in your, say, Naked DSL, I think it's a $20 discount a month. For doing that, you then think, well, I'm going to lose my discount, and I've got to swap through, and it just becomes too hard. So you just say, well, okay, Vodafone potentially doesn't have the best deal at the moment for me, but it's just way too hard to swap.
0: Yeah, and that's one issue that can sort of stir things up a little bit with the regulators, is where one provider might take advantage of their position and and you know do some bits and pieces. So that's something where the telcos have to be a little bit careful, you know, in terms of some of those enticements that they don't become. um, you know, that they, they don't make it too hard for people to, to move because, uh, yeah, then, then that will, you know, have an impact on, uh, um, competition. But, you know, certainly as we look out the window and at the, uh, two degrees building, uh, you know, their lights are, are, on and, uh, you know, they're doing pretty well. So, yeah, I don't think the, uh, the, the things that have been in, in place, you know, to date have, have made it too hard for, uh, for competition. You know, we had that announcement last year that they'd hit a million customers. And for a new player coming to the market, I think that's uh, that's fairly solid. I think in a sort of
1: parallel to the discussions we're having about the mobile providers, um I've just done a bit of a um sort of fact finding research about swapping my partner's phone off contract onto prepay, which is something I never thought I'd do. Um again going down the Vodafone path because she's already on Vodafone and The same happens with telecom as well. I I highly recommend listeners jump on every maybe two or three months, look at the different offerings they have, because you actually might find that if you're on prepay, you might be better to jump to um, postpaid, so on account. And even if you're on account, some of the offerings that Vodafone has, especially at the moment, blow out of the water, especially if
0: you're on the lower usage. That's right. These $19 a month type plans with, you know, 500 megs worth of data and a bunch of calls and a bunch of texts and so on, Uh, you know, in the in the past, that sort of thing, uh, yeah, could cost you a lot more. And on an on account plan, it will will cost you a lot more. I think I'm at the moment I'm looking at my partner's plan of about seventy dollars a
1: month, and then looking at dropping it to twenty. You know? And I think I've always thought that sort of you know prepaid as the sort of teenager, young kids, you know, it makes it much easier to budget sort of thing. But the offerings that they're coming out with now, I, I highly recommend keeping an eye on the website, keeping an eye on the announcements. You may actually find some. Absolute goal there, which is going to save you a lot of dollars each month
0: yep yep definitely worth considering um in a i mean in a business situation, generally not because it's just such a nightmare to administer those things uh, but yeah certainly in a in a personal uh setting can be uh, can be pretty ha- helpful and you know especially with the situation now uh you know as uh, as families are wanting to uh, you know put kids and so on onto uh onto mobiles and uh, and smartphones. It's a great way of, you know, helping to uh, to manage those costs. If you're on a, on account, and uh, uh, yeah, I guess there's 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 more risks for for blowouts than uh, than on a prepay. So, yeah. Uh, now, also in the mobile space, uh, in the la- in the last week, we've had uh, BlackBerry launched. Uh, well, they've renamed the company, haven't they? They've rena- renamed themselves from Research and Motion, which was the name of the the company that sold uh, BlackBerry uh phones just to BlackBerry, which sort of makes some sense because most people didn't know who RIM was yeah, and no who idea. Research and Motion were. Uh so I think that that's kinda good. They didn't have the the sort of name that that, that Apple and, and Google and Microsoft had that was well known. Uh you know, their company name wasn't on their phones. So uh they they've followed what um Nokia and, and others do and line their names up, so that's good. Uh, and they've also launched their uh, first new handset. So I think they're still a couple of months away in the US. Uh, we haven't got exact timing here in, in New Zealand yet, uh, but they have launched in the UK and apparently doing quite well uh, in, in the UK. Uh, I think Canada is as well, which is their home market, launched launching there as well. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting one to watch. There's quite a few reviews online, and it's certainly sounding reasonably positive around this new uh, BlackBerry 10 operating system. And the handsets are very iPhone 5-esque in terms of their look, with their curved I was going corners to say that, like and very iPhone <laughs> and, and and so on. Uh, yeah, but certainly not not you know super sort of cutting edge in terms of styling either. You know, very sort of professional look, but you know um, certainly a tip of the hat to, to Apple in terms of that uh, that styling. Nate, what's your pick on just just how successful BlackBerry are going to be with this? You know, effectively it's a reboot, it's a relaunch for them. Uh, you know, they still have a lot of followers, particularly in probably in the U.S. Uh, government sector and and you know various other sort of business uh, sectors. Do you think this is going to be enough for them to uh, hold on to what's been you know very much a dwindling uh, market share? Uh, And do you think this will win them new customers, customers that maybe haven't had a smartphone before or have been on iPhone, Android, maybe even Windows Phone? What do you think?
1: Um, I remember when, say, four years ago, the Blackberry was the phone of choice. If you were, you know, and I put in verticom as a business person, you had a Blackberry and you'd have uh, Microsoft Exchange running with the, is it BIS server, which which did all the communication between your mail and it had all sorts of clever features. Like someone emailed you a calendar appointment would just magically appear on your phone and it was just, it was a business person's phone. It worked really well. But I think as a company, they just became, they sort of just rested on their laurels too much. And then you got Apple that sort of came out of left field, smacked them across, and then Android from the other side. And then I really think this is a make or break for BlackBerry. If if they can't pull it off here, I think this will be the, – the, the next time we talk about BlackBerry, we'll, we'll see them in a museum because they were just faded into oblivion.
0: Well, that, it's one of those things because they're a company that just really does this one thing. They just do you know uh, email on, on phones. Well, they, you know, it's a bit more than that, but – you know, they're a they're a, um, a phone hardware and software company and they don't have a lot of other strings to their bow. If they don't get this one right, they're gone. Whereas we look at Microsoft, for instance, you know, they were very strong at the same time BlackBerry was with, uh, with Windows Mobile and when uh, capacitive touch, you know, phones came out, when the iPhone came out, this new thing of touching a screen with your finger rather than with a stylus, when that took off. You know, Microsoft's market share just went down, 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 down. And, you know, we've, we've seen a similar thing with, uh, with Blackberry, although not so much. Uh, but I guess Microsoft had the benefit that they've got a flourishing business in a lot of other areas and their, their profits continue to grow right across the business and have done for the last, well, it's probably since year dot that, you know, they, they seem to keep growing each year. So if Microsoft wants to keep the, you know, their phone business going, which is the decision that they seem to have made, uh, they've been able to invest lots and lots and lots of money in it. Whereas if BlackBerry, uh, you know, don't turn themselves around, they won't have a lot of money to throw back into into that space. Uh, that's that's their whole business gone. So. And I'm not
1: saying it's an impossible. Look at Nokia. Was sort of in the same boat with moving from your traditional handsets, and then you know they've caught and up. And they've with just
0: just had their first uh, their first quarter that was profitable in quite some time. Yeah, so, so it is possible
1: to turn around. We're not saying it's impossible. Um, whether or not the um, BlackBerry Ten can pull off. Uh, I don't know. I'm not an expert in the mobile handset space, but it, it will definitely be a watch this space, I think.
0: Mm. Well, there seems to have been a lot of excitement to start with. And I think that's what we would expect from BlackBerry users because this is a, you know, it is a really nice operating system. Uh, you know, a real jump ahead on what we had with the old, um, uh, BlackBerry operating system. They've done, done some, uh, you know, interesting things and they've tried to sort of compete in most of the areas. Uh, that we see the other smartphones, you know, doing. They've got the voice recognition, you know, which, which sort of made famous, I guess, by by Apple's Siri, uh, but was around on Windows Phone for a, for a year or two uh, before that, uh, and in various forms we see that on Android now, of course. Um, you know, they've got good mapping and and a, you know quite a broad range of of capabilities that we expect from a modern uh, a modern device, uh, including you know voice calling and so on. Uh, between handsets. So, yeah, they're, I think they're, they're right up there in terms of their capabilities. Uh, but I think what it's, it's a little bit hard to tell is, yeah, whether this is going to be enough for them to, uh, you know, to gain some popularity back. But we will watch this space certainly over, um, over the weeks and months ahead. And, um, we'll, we'll certainly be discussing it a little bit more. Uh, now in the last few days, we've heard, uh, quarter of a million Twitter accounts hacked uh that's pretty nasty if your account was hacked you should have received an email uh from them you weren't in uh, Uh, that that bunch were you nate no i'm surprised i wasn't
1: because obviously with such a short twitter handle that um a lot of people reference often with the wrong nate um no i i wasn't affected thankfully yourself
0: no no i wasn't i wasn't either i mean out of the number of accounts they've got and you know we're now in that uh you know probably heading towards 200 million uh users now on twitter a quarter of a million is a You know, a very small percentage of that. Uh, So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe one person you know or follow uh, has had their account hacked, maybe not. Uh, But I guess the reminder from this is is keep different passwords for, you know, all of the online services, all of the things you use. Because in a situation like this where your account gets uh, hacked, uh, you know, potentially they take that, you know, your user uh, password. And other details and then start trying that against your bank account, against Gmail, Hotmail, you know, other things. Uh, and yeah, potentially you could have lots of accounts uh, compromised. So, uh, do keep separate passwords across the board. I think the, the wake up call that I had, um, for the, the whole diversify
1: passwords for want of a, a better phrase is it was an article, um, that featured on Wired, uh, sort of midway through last year with a guy called Matt. Uh, they pretty much broke into or got into his Google account and then it was like uh, sort of an army going into a village and then just destroying piece by piece by piece. So they took out his Google account, and then they got into his Apple account and then wiped out his backups, remotely wiped his phone, his computer.
0: Everything, right? He lost all his, 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 I mean, his most of his life was on his, yeah, on the Apple yeah. ecosystem with his iPhone and his iPad. And, and even his MacBook, and they were able to actually wipe all three of those, weren't they?
1: Yeah, and he, I think in the article he said he was playing with his daughter or his son. And his phone sort of rebooted and he thought, oh, that's a little strange. And that was the telltale sign of the the, sort of the beginning of the end. And I I have to admit, as soon as I finished reading that, I went through and and changed every one of my passwords and made them all completely different. And and it doesn't even have to be that difficult. On my computer, I run a program called LastPass, which is really, really good. It's a um, sort of online vault that keeps all your passwords encrypted. You've got a master password, which please don't forget because you can't get it back. Um, and then you can generate these random passwords for all your – like your Facebook account, your Twitter account. And then at least that guarantees if someone does guess your password or gets into one of those things, um, it sort of keeps the damage central to um, that one At least they private. get into the last pass. Unless I guess, guess your password. But, for example, my last pass, password is ridiculously long and it's not something I use anywhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I suppose it's yeah, just...
0: Yeah, I think there's a, lot of le- there's a lot of lessons around this stuff. I mean, in that case, I know Apple have, uh, have tightened up some of their practices, so the chance of that same sort of thing happening again, I hope, is heavily reduced. I know in the first few days there were, there were people that were able to... Use some you know certain details to sort of get back in at, at into others' accounts, but uh, I think that's been locked down fairly uh, fairly heavily now. But the I think the lessons should still be uh, should still be learned. Uh, now this week in, in local stories, we've had uh, the first offender find under the um, the famous three strikes uh, copyright law that uh, that came into play last year, and you know of course this was the uh, the situation where, if you were you were found uh, or tracked downloading illegal material uh, on three occasions, uh, that you would um, you would have to potentially defend yourself in a court of law, and uh, and that happened. Yeah, they got a
1: telecom customer, and the fine was a ridiculously massive six hundred dollars. Um, they've the rec- uh, saying in the article that the the um, different record companies they reckon have spent about 250000 chasing all sorts of music pirates. And so the payback, uh, if you take $600 over the 250000 spent, is not amazing. However, I suppose the other argument is that, hey, um, people are, are probably stopping um, doing infringing and all that sort of stuff because they're worried about being hauled before um, this sort of tribunal. I, I think well, there's a
0: couple of things, isn't there? When on the third strike uh, you lose your internet connection – and you've obviously got the potential to, um, you know, to get fined in this manner. Now, $600 doesn't seem like a lot when we compare it to some of the US ones where people have been fined, you know, $100,000, 200000 uh, US dollars. Uh, so, you know, a $600 fine isn't so much, but yeah, you know, I think they were going, they were the, um, uh, they, the recording industry association of New Zealand was, uh, was going for more. And they will continue to do so. And if they manage to get, uh, uh, you know, suitable evidence, then, you know, no doubt they will, uh, uh, they'll do everything they can to, uh, you know, to get a bigger and bigger return on these sorts
1: of situations. Is it any surprise that the first notice came out on Telecom being our largest ISP? Was it pretty much a given you would have thought?
0: I think it, it could have been, could have been anyone, could have been anyone. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so. Yeah, so watch out online. Uh, be cautious what you download. Um, of course, there will be some that will say, well, if you were using a service such as uh, Mega, where everything is encrypted, uh, no one would have known what you were doing. Uh, all right, mo- moving right along. <laughs> uh, um, I have some. Well, I had an interesting experience uh, late last week when I came came home and I was advised that my home internet uh, connection was down. And This was more for a physical reason rather than a technical reason. Well, it was because I thought, all right, should I go and have a look and reset the router? Should I, you know, there's a usual sort of troubleshooting things that you might do. And I quickly thought through those and I thought. no, my wife has actually become, um, you know, a bit of a geek, so to speak, in that she know, she knows what things to do. Uh, so, you know, I didn't have to think, oh, do I need to do ABC? Because I knew that she would have already figured that stuff out. Uh, so without even looking inside the house, I opened the, uh, I opened the door to where our overhead, um, wire comes from the street to the house and, um, Well, it wasn't there. There was a little (laughs) bit of wire just hanging off the uh, roof that I tweeted to, uh, um, yeah, show, uh, I could just, yeah, just see a little uh, furry furry bit of wire uh, hanging off uh, the side of the house. And you don't have that sort of wireless... You couldn't say wireless from the street to your house. No. No. So, uh, but what I had, I had very good experience with, uh, both Vodafone and Chorus. So, Vodafone being my, my internet provider and, and Chorus being, uh, the company that, that provides the, uh, you know, the cable to the, uh, to the house. Uh, and so I called Vodafone, sort of seven o'clock or so at night, alerted them to the situation, pointed them at my tweet so he could physically, you know, see exactly what was going on. I thought that might make it a little bit easier than than just the explanation. Uh, and you'll find that in my Twitter feed if you're interested. Uh, and yeah, uh, by before I think it was probably before nine thirty the next morning, uh, there was a, a chorus van uh, in the driveway. And, uh, and someone having, having a look and, you know, trying to trace back where, where it had got damaged and so on. Uh, there, there was possibly at a neighbour's property somebody doing some work with, uh, uh, tidying up some trees and so on the day before. And yeah, that, that obviously led to it. Uh, but yeah, they, they had it up and running before, certainly before I got home from, uh, you know, fr- from, from work, uh, the next day. So I was really impressed with that sort of service. And you know, I hope that 's a sort of service that we we'll, you know, we'll continue to see uh, you know in the future as things move to ultra fast broadband and, and to fiber obviously you know fiber well not obviously, but uh, if we look at fiber compared to uh, copper type cabling uh, you know it is somewhat different technically, and uh, uh, a cable breaking may not be as easy to uh, repair because you can 't just uh, you know solder it back together when you uh, when you 're dealing with uh, uh, light that uh, has to shine through a uh, a fiber optic cable. So um, that, co- yeah, that one will be interesting.
1: Who covers in that fact where it was broken? Who covers the cost? Is that covered under your line maintenance? Uh,
0: I think that that well, I think that falls with chorus. But I have seen some other. I read uh, actually on Geek Zone somebody else having a bit of problem with the line connecting to the house. And I, and I didn't uh, see out that that story, uh, but I know they were having some issues. So. There may be some, uh, some situations where that becomes the, you know, the problem for the homeowner or the occupier. Uh, maybe if, if the, you know, I don't know, if it's caught in a tree and the tree isn't, you know, the tree grows so much that it breaks the cable um yeah there could be there could be some situations where they're not liable certainly inside your house that's usually the uh you know the homeowner's uh, responsibility, but you can pay that uh wiring and maintenance fee of whatever it is these days maybe th- two or three dollars yeah, um, not, not much you know a month and uh and they'll look after that side of it too so uh, that, that's worth considering if you 've got a you know complex uh setup in your in your home and there's a chance you might have issues there. Uh so yeah good job to um uh to, to Chorus especially on uh, on that one. Uh now also in uh in Vodafone something I I came across uh recently and this has been available since last year but we didn't mention it before because uh I don't think we were actually aware of it. Um if you live in rural New Zealand or certain you know parts where you're not close to a sort of a one of the uh bigger exchanges in the past you couldn't get a service uh, called naked DSL, which is where you don't have a traditional home phone line, but you have an internet connection. Uh, that has actually changed over the last sort of six to nine months. Uh, and you can now, uh, save a chunk of money, uh, by going onto one of these naked, uh, naked DSL plans. Uh, so if that's something that you had been turned down for before by, uh, by one of the providers, uh, Vodafone alerted me last week that that is, uh, that is something you can, you can get now. Uh, so, you know, there, I know a lot of people that have got, say, a, um, uh, they've had a phone line, uh, put in at a batch, for instance, or uh, a beach house or a, uh, a crib, as they're, they're called, um, in, in some parts of the country. Uh, you know, a lot of people have had those put in just so they can get internet at that location, uh, and you're unnecessarily paying for that phone line if, if you never use it. Uh, so, um, yeah, these days with a high, high use of, of mobiles, but, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, a wish to have high-speed internet everywhere, uh, the naked DSL or naked broadband is, is quite a good, uh, good offering. Uh, and yeah, Vodafone, especially as Nate was mentioning earlier, have some very good plans if you happen to have a on-account mobile, uh, with them. Uh, now, net, a little bit of, uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix news. Uh, should we
1: remind listeners that you need to – if you haven't got it already, you need to go
0: – Yeah, we should run, run people through a little bit about what Netflix is. If you're not aware, then jump to um, NZ Tech Podcast site, and there's a, there's a whole uh, page there about how to get Netflix in New Zealand. Um, of course, this is one of those video-on-demand um, services or um, subscription video-on-demand. Uh, it's designed at this stage for the U.S. market. We have you know our version – you know, for the New Zealand market is called QuickFlix, which is is reasonably basic in terms of its content offering at the moment. So we still highly recommend people look at uh, Netflix if you're willing to jump through the hoops. And, there's yeah, there is a good um, uh, amount of detail there on the um, on the nztechpodcast.com site about how to get up and running with it. Uh, you, you use that yourself at home, don't you, Nate? Yeah, I do heavily, and I'll just jump
1: back a, a little bit. I think, to be fair, you know, I always – bag quick fix about there's just got no content like cool idea no content I think when Patty was on maybe a couple of months back he sort of explained to us that it's not they're doing this sort of the incumbents that have got agreements all over the place and unfortunately quick Fix just can't get any sort of headway. so there's Yeah, sort of certainly not overnight, that,
0: but their catalogue does keep growing, right? So yeah, they're, they're sort of having to make they can. do the best
1: yeah, with what they've got. So and you know, I'll just to be fair to QuickFlix, but yeah, I'm, I'm running Netflix at home. I, I did a blog post probably six months ago now where I actually outlined how we had Sky and then drop Sky and run Netflix, uh, Hulu Plus, uh, Crackle, which is free, which is also uh, streaming movies. And um, I've just added Voodoo actually, to watch movies, and they're very reasonably priced with four dollars for a twenty-four hour watch. And I think Taken Two just came out uh, last. You're week. talking
0: US dollars, there, aren't yeah. You? I'm talking. Yeah.
1: This is all in US. Um, Taken Two just came out, and we watched it in full streaming HD um, on my flat screen at home, and it was it was fantastic. I know some of the arguments about using um, the VPN services or the proxy services of getting around the IP blocking because of the limitations of the content. So. You are appearing to come from the United States. It is against the terms and conditions, however, it's not I suppose the differentiation. It's
0: not it's not, not illegal. No, is it's it? not legal. You're still paying for the content. Like um The rights holders are still getting paid, yeah, yeah, exactly. and so on. Everyone gets paid in the mix. You're not uh uh you know, taking jobs away from, from No uh from people. You might be taking jobs away from people that I don't know local, you know, video stores and and the like, but uh, yeah, everyone in the chain is is still getting paid. I, I think the the thing that um,
1: highlighted the the ease of use of this technology too is uh, I recently converted my parents um, who were in their sort of late fifties, early sixties, over to this. The same exact same pattern as me. Um, they dumped Sky and are now using this, and it's incredible that. For them, the thing they really like about Netflix is the back catalogue, all the really like old movies like Hawaii Five O and all the old TV series that they haven't seen for years,
0: and they can just uh, jump and can in just, and watch it, no yeah. ads, no hassle. Um,
1: the one big caveat of this whole plan is if you are into sport, unfortunately, not that I've been able to find a good replacement for sport. Um, so Sky still has that all stitched up, but however, if you're not a big Sports fan um, as I am are uh, the sort of stream they' called s um, streaming video on demand um, Those sort of providers I really highly recommend um, and a lot of the samsung like I think my new Samsung TV as well actually has Netflix and you can
0: you can get get those you know they 're usually turned off for uh, for the New Zealand market. Uh, but it is possible to, uh, to, to add those and actually have them straight on your TV. So even without having to have the set top boxes that we've needed in the past. Like and, your PS3 or uh, your Xbox. Uh, yeah, in terms of like. your PlayStation, your Xbox, um, the Roku box, still very, very good, uh, option. And, and, uh, yeah, we've got links there if you want to grab one of those on the, um, um, on, on our page on the, the, uh, podcast website. So, uh, lots of ways of doing it. But yeah, with the higher end smart TVs, they've got that capability, uh, built in. And what we found at, uh, at CES this year is the smart TVs are getting a lot more powerful. So their ability to run those apps is, is improving a lot. Mm. Uh, and there's even that little, uh, USB, uh, 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 not USB. Uh, the HDMI uh, right. dongle that you can uh, plug into non-smart T V. So there's a lot of ways of actually making this happen, as well as streaming through a, uh, you know, iPad or a laptop, PC, etc. I suppose a little bit off topic too. Is if you're listening and you're thinking about getting a Roku or
1: a set-top box that's not necessarily in New Zealand. I've been doing and Highly recommend you the service you shop for New Zealand post. There are a lot of services that do it. I think you used one to get your um, surface Microsoft
0: here. Surface. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the thing I like about so with you shop, uh, for example, I bought a couple of DVDs off Amazon last night, which offered free shipping. So you pay the item. Um, your they're like a freight forwarder. They give you a unique address which has got a code in it. Amazon posts it to. The freight forwarder than the, uh, an example of Ushop, you Ushop you send me an email saying, Hey Nate, we've got this here sitting ready for you. It's going to cost you XYZ to, to get to New Zealand. You type in your credit card, and within about, I think, a week or 10 days, it's here. And the shipping rates that I've had through Amazon have been um, atrociously high compared to what you can get through you Shop.
0: Yeah, that's, what, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, there's definitely some deals to be had from on Amazon from time to time. Uh, but often the international shipping can be uh, can be pretty big. Now um now looking at that Netflix user a couple of interesting things that that came out. Um one of them is just at, over the weekend they launched a new exclusive show House of Cards which is available exclusively on Netflix. So there's no TV network in the world where you can see it. You can only see it through Netflix. Uh so this is something where they're really starting to uh try and carve out a bit of a niche. And say, hey, you know, you really everyone should have Netflix, and we're certainly seeing that from the, their growth uh, in numbers in the U.S. market and overseas. They've, you know, more and more uh, people are signing up for uh, for Netflix. In fact, to the point now uh, where they're pretty profitable off their uh, off the streaming side of their business. And certainly in the past, when we looked at Netflix, it uh, you know it very much appeared that this idea of um, streaming video on demand was something that consumers loved but was very, was going to be very hard to actually uh, make it a profitable business model. Uh, and that was something we were wondering about. For instance, for QuickFlix, you know, if the big player internationally, Netflix couldn't make that profitable, could QuickFlix or anyone else make it work? Uh, but we're now seeing um, Netflix make some pretty strong numbers in the U.S. Uh, outside of the U.S., they're losing... Uh, uh, Bucket loads of money, tens of, tens of millions of dollars every, uh, uh, every, every quarter, uh, but it, the fact that it's working in the US I think is, a, is certainly a positive, uh, positive sign and it means that this type of thing is, is here to stay. Uh, and in theory the prices won't bump up too much, but you know, that's, that's the flip side. If they can't make it profitable in these current business models, we may see the streaming video on demand uh, you know, prices increase over time. I think something becomes mainframe when it starts to appear in sort of pop
1: culture. And I'm a big fan, I'm just, especially since I've got Hulu plus now, I'm a big fan of South Park. And I think about six episodes or seven episodes ago, um, Randy bought a blockbuster video and it pretty much went under because everyone was watching Netflix on their um, iPads. And I thought it's amazing that this technology has now become mainstream, that it is on a South Park episode and that people actually aren't sort of sitting there going, Oh, I don't really understand how this works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of, T- tied me on to reading up about blockbusters, sort of rise and, and demise
0: and fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, and I think have we the, the cost of it
0: is, is so low too because you're only looking at um, it's eight eight US seven ninety nine uh, US a month, eight eight US dollars, which with the current exchange rate uh, for 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 us in New Zealand, uh, you know that's under under ten US dollars. Yep, you've got to have a a, a VPN. Um, or some, you know, something else, because the service does block people outside of the US uh, by default. You've got to jump through those extra hoops that, that are covered up on the NZ Tech Podcast site to uh, uh, to to link in. Uh, but there are a couple of techniques: uh, VPNs, one. Uh, the other way is the proxy service, and we've uh, we've got a link through for that. Uh, at the moment, actually, I'm using the proxy uh, the proxy service and finding that quite successful there are some downsides of of using um of using that um now just one last bit of uh detail that uh that Netflix uh, announced with their uh, with their financial results last month uh they shared some details on um on their top 200 shows and availability of those on other streaming services and it seems that they're well ahead of uh, of Amazon and some of the others i think out of that top 200 shows only 70 were available on the amazon who also uh, have a streaming on demand service i uh, subscribe to to a to a number of them uh, but i you know i generally find that netflix is where i spend most of my time unless i'm wanting to watch a new release movie in which case you can you can rent that Without going to your video store by, by doing that with one of the on, dem, other on-demand services, uh, pay-per-view, uh, such as uh, Amazon have that, um, Apple, uh, Microsoft with their Xbox video service, uh, and, you know, you, you, you mentioned, uh, um, a couple of the other ones there, uh, earlier, Nate. So, yeah, there, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of choice out there. It is really worth having a look at this if you're thinking, you know, what should I change in terms of my, uh, AV, AV sort of setup and viewing and so on for the year. This is one thing uh, that yeah we really encourage you to yeah, have a look at uh, because it's really good value. Uh, everyone gets paid, unlike just sort of uh, pirating content. Uh, and and it's a whole lot easier, I've got to say, than using those those sort of uh, you know mechanisms in, in general. Uh, you probably don't have access to all the same content. Uh, but it works well, and you know, any anyone in the house can uh, yeah can usually figure it out once you once you've got it set up. And you can watch it simultaneously, which amazed me too. Like, yeah, you, can have, you can have multiple people in the house: so somebody on one TV, somebody on an, an iPad or a tablet uh, in another room or in another part of the world, even on your same subscription. So they don't limit you like you know, a lot of services limit you to two devices or five devices or something as far as I'm aware, there is no limit uh, on one subscription. So, uh, you yeah, know, I guess that opens them up to a little bit of abuse. Uh, but, you know, I think because it's reason- reasonably priced, uh, you know, most people are happy to... To pay the, uh, the eight US for, a, for a monthly well, subscription. Not really
1: going to break the bank. Uh,
0: and as you say, it's, uh, it's a big saving if you're used to using Sky and you don't need Sky for sports and yep. all those sorts of things. Um, now one other little, um, item that, that's been discussed sort of on and off, uh, in, in the media, um, has been around Microsoft Office coming to, uh, coming to, Uh, platforms other than, uh, than Windows and Mac, which is where it is now. Uh, it's obviously on, on the Windows phone has been really the only mobile platform it's been on. Uh, in addition to obviously Windows 8, uh, devices. Uh, but there's been all these talk and, and rumors about it coming to, uh, Android and to, uh, iPads and, and iPhones. Um, we have had confirmation, I got confirm, Formal confirmation from somebody within Microsoft last week that it is coming to both of those platforms and and that has been sort of mooted in the media, um, but that's yeah, definitely the case and in terms of timing that 's really the only thing that 's not clear i 've heard everything from within the uh, you know, the sort of March time frame uh, through as far out as uh, as September. Uh, and, you know, of course, Microsoft have got motivations of why they might hold up availability on these other platforms, uh, because they want to promote, you know, their Windows, um, uh, phone and, and Windows 8 as being sort of the, the, um, you know, the best platforms. And part of the way they can do that is by making uh, Office available on those, you know, first or making them a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, it appears as though, uh, they've somewhat got their head, they're pulling their head out of the sand. And are, uh, and are coming on to um, iOS and, and Android um, reasonably soon. It's a good strategy, really, when
1: um, IT departments are now talking about BYD, bring your own device, so you don't necessarily have to have the whole Microsoft stack through all your devices. You could be using a uh, Windows desktop and have an iPhone. And well, that's
0: right, and we see a lot of corporates now that have iPads, right, and uh you know they've got these devices and a lot of them will be quite willing to actually pay uh you know to pay to have the software on uh on those devices so uh that's also part of Microsoft's new model going forward is you know in the past we've gone out and we bought a Microsoft Office license Microsoft are now changing the model you can buy uh you'll be able to buy in fact you can now with uh, with one edition but they'll open this up across the board uh to the business editions shortly as you buy Microsoft Office uh not as a sort of a box product or a or a license just for office but you buy it under the under the office 365 heading that will give you Microsoft Office to run on up to 5 devices as well as and 5 uh mobile devices i believe in addition to um you know so you could run it on a laptop and a couple of PCs whatever you've got around the house uh but you can also run it on a, on a on an iPad and a phone and 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 so on uh so that's a sort of a new model and with the um with the business level uh licensing for office 365 that will uh, ultimately also include access to all of those online office 365 services that a lot of businesses have already uh uh already moved to in fact uh one of the bigger uh businesses in the country that was formerly part of um Telecom um and you can maybe put the put the bits and pieces together but I don't think it's been officially announced um have just uh, made the move to uh to Office 365 uh so that's probably one of uh one of the biggest Office 365 uh, customers in the country uh, I think in the um uh, over 500 um over 500 users uh, so Microsoft will be quite pleased about that, but there seem to be a lot of small businesses and, uh, and a growing number of medium businesses that are moving on to uh, Office 365, uh, and as they, uh, they improve how that ties in with people's I guess on-premise based server systems and, and so on, uh, with, with improved password synchronization and those sorts of capabilities. I think we'll see that become, uh, uh become the norm. And it, it's certainly a big part of, uh, of what we're doing now within, uh, within my business, within Gorilla Technology and, and our cloud division, Cloud Labs, uh, is working with, uh, the, these types of technologies as, you know, it becomes, uh, more cost effective to, to move, uh, businesses into, uh, into the cloud as far as email and, uh, you know, file storage um, and 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 so on. I think my big one for looking at cloud services is definitely disaster recovery.
1: The Christchurch earthquake, perfect example of that. You have got your traditional server sitting in your office. There's an earthquake where the, the roads get shut off, and you're not actually able to get to your server or backups. Um, if you're looking at cloud services, let's use um, 365 as a perfect example. If there's a Christchurch earthquake and everyone's okay, you just have to find an internet connection and you're pretty really much away. Your email's up and going because it's sitting up in the cloud. Not to say that the cloud is completely infallible. There's also other issues with that, but I think the strengths certainly outweigh any of the, the sort of weaknesses.
0: Especially for small businesses that, uh, you know, generally can't afford to have, you know, servers in different locations that synchronize together and and so on. Uh, you know, that, that, they're immediately able to gain access to what is much more powerful, uh, you know, infrastructure. And it's, you know, spread out between, uh, between, you know, more than one country and multiple servers and so on. And, you know, a normal small business in New Zealand serving 5, 10, 20, 30 users, uh, generally unlikely to be able to, uh, to have that, that quality of setup. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Well, that, uh, that brings us sort of to the end of, uh, of the NZ Tech Podcast episode 111. Uh, so thank you everybody for, uh, for listening in. Now you can, uh, you can catch us online at nztechpodcast.com, uh, and NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter and, uh, and on Facebook.com slash NZ Podcast. Uh, now Nate, you can easily be tracked down online too. Just Tell us your, uh, where your blog is at and your Twitter handle. Uh, so my Twitter
1: handle is really easy. It's just Nate by itself, N A T E. Um, and then my blog is under my name, Nate Dunn dot com and it's um run by on the geekzone platform so or you could go to geekzone and see it there as well
0: yeah uh likewise you can find my, my my blog via geekzone or at techjungle.com and you can find me on twitter at paul spain uh so uh yeah that's us hey thanks everyone for listening in uh we will be back again uh next week and uh if you've just sort of tuned back in after a bit of a break over uh over summer uh, there is a bunch of uh, of content from uh, consumer electronics show and other bits and pieces that uh, you may find interesting to uh, to listen into too thanks see ya